Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Well, hello there. This is Dee, and welcome to episode 60 of the Benzo Free Podcast. It is great to be back in the studio. I I like it when I come down here, you know, log in, start the recorder, and have the opportunity to chat with you for a little while. So, now that we're down here, what you want to do? <laughs> you want to play some ping pong? Got the ping pong table next to me here, or how about a board game? Yes. Shannon and I still play board games. How about the drum set over there in the corner? That's a lot of fun, actually. How about climbing onto one of those beds over there and taking a nap? Now that sounds like a good idea. I do love my naps now. Never really took them before benzos, but now they are a key component of my day. It's my siesta, (laughs) and I do treasure those times. Or how about finding a good book on one of my several bookshelves down there? You know, just give it a good read. Not into reading? That's okay, too. Neither is my wife, and to be honest, I didn't used to be either. Anyway, this is kind of my little world down here in the basement, and I'm really glad you can join me today to chat. So how are you doing? Kind of mixed? Up, down, all over the place? I know. I'm sorry. Me too. I still have good and bad days, as I mentioned to you before, but do the best and get through each one, and every morning I try to find something positive to focus on to keep moving. But it is good to be back here talking with you. You know, I want to talk about pain for a second. Um, Have you ever noticed that some pain is not so bad as other pain? Not necessarily based on the severity of the pain, but more on how you look at it, at your perception at the time. I've noticed this when I've taken a grueling hike or ran for a while or even spent an hour or more on the elliptical when I hadn't in a while. And then, you know, later that evening or even more so when you're trying to get out of bed the next morning, you just feel it. <laughs> the, the overall ache and pain of your muscles as if they are now on strike and have had enough and want you to know it. You know, when you just hurt all over as you try to move and yet you smile a bit. Not because you enjoy the pain, but because you know what the pain means. It means you got exercise. It means you did something good for your body. It means your body is getting better. It's a good hurt, and you kind of enjoy it. You know nothing is seriously wrong with you. It's just hard to stand or walk, and it will go away over time. Yeah, this might sound a bit crazy, but I applied some of that same perspective to benzo withdrawal. 
The reason I don't mind the aches and pains after I work out is that I know it's good for my body. Well, if benzo withdrawal truly is our body healing, our body recovering from this, then the pain is a good pain, not a bad pain. Doesn't mean you still don't feel the pain, but it puts a little twist on it. It's, it's all part of the acceptance of this condition and focusing on the long game. It seems that our society gets faster and faster and faster every time I turn around. We have less and less patience for most things in our lives. Just 150 years ago here in the U.S., it took about four months to travel from coast to coast. Four months. Then in the late 19th century, the same journey could be made in just about four days by train. But, you know, every now and then there might be a holdup or two. <laughs> now it takes about seven hours to make the same distance. And danger has almost disappeared. Well, almost. <laughs> and just think about the internet. If I have a question about GABA receptors as I'm writing this script, I can often find the answer online in less than 30 seconds without even going to the library. In fact, I just found out the times it takes a stagecoach, train, and plane to cross the continental U.S. in under 45 seconds. Life is fast now. And naturally, with this fast-paced life, comes more of a focus on the short game, on results now. We want everything now. We want to log on to Amazon and have our box delivered by drone in two hours, because we can't wait a day. <laughs> and this waiting becomes more and more painful if we don't get what we want right away. I, I think of the character in the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when she said, but I want it now. <laughs> and I know this because in part, I even became this at times in my life before this experience with benzodependence and withdrawal. But as I've said before, this experience did have benefits for me. And one of those benefits was learning to slow down. Benzo withdrawal is a long game scenario if there ever was one. It takes time, months for some, years for others. And if you struggle with patience like so many of us do, then it's going to be a difficult road. Try and see the long game and make the most of where you are now along the way. A person's experience of benzo withdrawal is adjustable. It's all up to you how you handle it and how severe it is. Make the most of this time. Remember, you are in it for the long game. And, and find some joy in the midst of all this crap along the way. It, it may seem like an impossible feat. I know that. But it's not. It really isn't. I see it happen every day with people I talk with. People who have made the best out of this situation. And that's helped them get through. It's a crazy experience. One of the most bizarre I have ever heard of, and I got to go through it. And unfortunately, many of you have too. Yeah, it'd be nice if this never happened, but it did. Life is all about things that happen that we can't control. 
all we can do is say, okay, that's happening. I'm going to make the best of it. And if you can find some joy in the midst of the crap along the way, it makes finding that patience so much easier. Make the most of your time. Remember, you're in this for the long game. You don't have a lot of choice. You really don't know how long your recovery is going to take. But if you can find joy in the midst of all this crap along the way, it makes it bearable. It makes it livable. It might even make it a positive experience at times. This may seem like an impossible feat, but it is not. I see it happen each and every day as I talk with each of you. It's amazing how people have learned to handle this adversity. I'm blown away. And I'm so proud of so many people who have taken this challenge and made the most of it. How do you want to look back at this experience? That you stayed in bed and just focused on your symptoms and worried every day? Or you got up and you made the most of it and you took this opportunity to learn new tools, to find new ways of living a better life? I kind of like the latter. I don't know about you. I know it's hard, but you can do it. You can make this situation better. Today, our format will include our introduction, Benzo's story, feature, and our moment of peace. And we will also have the return of our spotlight section. Haven't seen that one in a long time. In fact, today, we're going to highlight a new section on our website called The Artist's Corner. And we'll talk a little about that when we get there. Today, our feature is Benzo Belly, our gut and withdrawal, take two, <laughs> where we will focus on the symptoms of the digestive system and the gut. I, I hope you like it. And before we move on, don't forget we need your help. We need feedback of any kind. We truly enjoy hearing from you. You can provide feedback in four ways. Comment directly on one of our podcasts or our blog posts so others can see. Fill out our feedback form at benzofree.org slash feedback. Email us at podcast at benzofree.org or leave feedback on one of our podcast carriers so others can find us. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our mailing list at benzofree.org slash subscribe. And if you wish to help support what we do here, you can visit our donations page at benzofree.org slash donate. Trust me, every little bit helps. And don't forget, the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. Now let's move on to our spotlight. Welcome to the return of our spotlight section. It's been a while, I must admit. Our last spotlight section for the podcast was way back in episode 24, titled Cardiopulmonary Consternation. And that spotlight section focused on World Benzodiazepine Awareness Day. Our spotlight section has one goal, to highlight some organization, event, film, item of interest, or anything like that in the benzo community or about benzos. We will bring this section back periodically going forward as we have things of interest to discuss. Today, our point of interest is actually here at Benzo Free, and that is the launch of our new resource section titled our Artist Corner. 
You can find it at benzofree.org slash resources slash artist. I'll put a link in our show notes. You can also find it under resources on our menu bar on the website. This is a new page of the website where we can list artists who have taken their experience with benzos and found a way to express themselves through art of any medium they choose. So if you are someone you know has taken this experience with benzos and turned it into some type of artistic expression, whether it be music, painting, sculpture, video, performing, poetry, writing, or anything else, we'd love to hear about it. To kick off our artist corner, we have one artist, and I'd like to introduce you to him today. His name is Craig, and he's from Montana. And his album is titled Get Well by Comeback K. Let me share a short version of his story. Craig writes, In March of 2018, I suffered a brain injury after starting and stopping what I thought was a low dose of clonopin to help with work-related anxiety. I was often on this medication for several years prior to this injury, so I assumed the medication was safe and that there were no risks involved by quitting cold turkey. When I quit in 2018, all hell broke loose. Mental suffering beyond comparison to any depression, anxiety, or insomnia that I had experienced from normal life-related circumstances. About a year off the meds, I started writing songs about the experience, mostly about symptoms and coping with the symptoms. With the help of a friend, we finished recording the album in about three months. The album is entitled, Get Well. My hope is the album can help those going through the difficult experience of benzo withdrawal and recovery, and help raise awareness about how harmful benzos can be. I hope one day to write a sequel to this album entitled, I'm Well, but I'm not there yet. Thanks, Greg. So, so many of us find our own ways of coping with this debilitating condition, and we turn to different methods. I wrote a book and host a podcast. Craig, he decided to turn to his music. Now, I listened to the entire album and truly enjoyed it. Craig has a true gift for lyrics and finds a personal way to share his experiences. Every song on this album is about his experience with benzos, and I think most of you will be able to relate to what he has to share. Now, as a special treat, Craig was kind enough to let me share one of his songs on the podcast today, and I'd like to do that right now. This song is titled Animals. It's from Get Well by Comeback Kate. Feeling like an animal 
memories are mine I think they belong to another guy Someone else's child I could pack up my bags and go I could drive to the Golden Coast What would it matter? down on my knees and beg I could ask for some better days but would it matter it wouldn't matter much at all something ain't right feeling like an animal inside feeling like I lost my sense of time Animals is very haunting, and I love his mix on that one. If you want to learn more and listen to more of Craig's music, or even purchase the whole album, please visit the Artist Corner on our website for all his links. I've also put the links in our show notes, too. Thanks, Craig, for sharing your music of your experience with benzos with us. We really appreciate it. And now, on to our benzo story. Our story today is from Natalie. Natalie's story is a great one, especially if you're looking for some encouragement. And who isn't looking for some encouragement? Her attitude is what saved her. And I'm so happy she found the strength inside to rise above, take control, and like she said, breathe some fresh air. I think you like this one. And no, I don't think it needs a trigger warning. Natalie writes, I've been off and on Xanax since I was 15, when my parents took me to the doctor because I was missing a lot of school. I can remember that day clearly. My father did not pay the gas bill, so we had no hot water. I was so upset. They dragged me to the doctor, and I started crying. The doctor gave me a script for two milligrams Xanax. I stayed on that for years. Then I got pregnant and quit until my daughter was about two. But then I began my most recent stink behind Xanax bars, which began in 2015. I went to the doctors because my anxiety started up when I got a new demanding job. They gave me a script for 92 milligram Xanax pills. So much. Why did they give me so much? I began taking it like that for about three years. But I started to get really sick of not knowing what my true feelings were and I was honestly just sick of being on medication. So I started to wean myself. I started by cutting a dose. I stayed that way for a couple months and would cut my dose until I was about down to 0.25 milligrams. I did that much for about four months and decided to jump. It all started because I told my doctor I was weaning 
and asked if they could give me anything to ease withdrawal. She said no, and they could just switch me to an antidepressant and keep me on it forever. That's when I realized I was a prisoner for the pharmaceutical industry. And I could not have any part in that. So I set my mind on achieving my goal, getting off Xanax. I'll tell you this, don't read the internet. Everyone's body reacts differently. For me, I was able to jump from 0.25 milligrams with, yes, some discomfort and not so great sleep. I mean, I would have acute attacks, but what got me through this was positive thinking. Your mind is so powerful. I want everyone to understand. Wherever you put your mind is where your mind will be. So if I harped on the fact I was getting off my medicine, I would feel like crap. If I just shifted my thoughts to empowerment of getting off them, then I would feel okay. When I would get an attack, I would breathe. Listen to I am affirmations on YouTube. Breathe some fresh air and tell myself I am doing this for the greater good and that medicating will only prolong this. I am so done. I won't let myself scare myself any more. It's not fair. We must get out of our own ways and accept ourselves. After accepting and forgiving yourself, you can move on. I just want everyone to know I was a long-time Xanax user, and now I am not. It is possible. We can learn to be our best friends. We are the power. We are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit. One love, Natalie. Oh, thank you, Natalie. What a great story to share. A story of success and of finding the power within herself to get through this and find that better life on the other side. I, I truly loved your life-affirming spirit. Like, like many others who found success during withdrawal and after benzos, you found a way to rise above it all and find yourself in the process. It didn't mean you didn't have struggles. It didn't mean you didn't have pain and symptoms. But you found a way of making the best of that each and every day. So many people ask if they can actually be benzo-free. Or if they are and still have symptoms, will they ever fully heal and get past it all? I am so happy to hear that you are doing better. And I love sharing your story. Thanks for this, Natalie. And please keep in touch. And don't forget, we are running out of stories again, so please send them in if you'd like to share. And now let's move on to our feature. Our feature today is Benzo Belly, our gut in withdrawal, take two. <laughs> I liked doing that, that's kind of fun. The other day I was reviewing the statistics that go along with this podcast. You know, how many people download each episode, how many listen each day, and things like that. I don't look at them that often, but every now and then I just check in to see if we're doing okay. And I looked to see what our most downloaded episode was. I was just curious. And it surprised me. 
Our most downloaded episode was on benzo belly, part of our 14-part series on the symptoms of benzo withdrawal. This was our 11th episode, and I was thinking that if it was so popular, perhaps we need to revisit this topic. And then last week, I received an email from our good friend Wendy in British Columbia, Canada. Wendy wrote the following. I'm wondering if you've been tested for food sensitivities. Until recently, I was vague about the difference between these and food allergies, the latter creating quite immediate symptoms. I think it's tricky without testing to know if sensitivities are related to our withdrawal symptoms, as the effects can show up a day or more after eating such foods. I had a blood test done by a naturopath that covered both. I read that some people are more sensitive to certain foods during withdrawal, and probably that applies to me, but I tested positive for quite a few before the benzo journey. My diet is fairly restricted now, but at least this situation gives me some control over my symptoms, which is so useful. Thanks again for you, Wendy. Thank you for your email, Wendy, and it touches on the whole food sensitivity issue and benzo withdrawal, which is something so many of us have experienced and deal with each and every day. While Ashton did say that many people experience food sensitivities during the time of benzo withdrawal, she also made it clear that it rarely shows up on tests. It's great to get it checked out because maybe you have one that developed during this time or you had from prior that you didn't know about. But most of the time, it's a temporary sensitivity experience during this time. Anyway, Wendy's email was right on spot for this topic, and my decision was made. It's time to talk about Benzo Belly again. So I'm going to pull a few pieces from episode 11 and a few things from emails from you, and of course, some new information from articles and studies to learn more about our gut and how we can find a way to manage the distress so many of us experience during this time. Let's dive in. Many of you are familiar with the term benzo belly. It's a term commonly used for the overall digestive and abdominal symptoms that can be triggered by benzodependence and withdrawal. Symptoms can include abdominal distension, abdominal pain, appetite change, constipation, cramping, diarrhea, inflammation, nausea, vomiting, weight change, and others. It can also include symptoms of the lower abdomen, such as pelvic floor dysfunction, urinary difficulties, groin pain, and menstrual difficulties. But since we covered many of these in a recent podcast episode, we won't revisit those right here. Instead, we're going to stay focused on digestive-related issues today. And not only are abdominal issues some of the most common symptoms in withdrawal, they also can be some of the most debilitating. Let's take a slightly deeper look into the symptoms of benzo belly. Abdominal pain is one of the most common. Pain in the abdominal area is quite common during withdrawal. The cause is not always known, but most of the time it appears to be related to the gastrointestinal tract. It can range from a mild nuisance to severe pain and seems to be influenced by diet, anxiety, and, well, the randomness of withdrawal waves. Appetite and weight change is another one. Ashton has stated that considerable weight loss, 8 to 10 pounds or more, can occur during withdrawal. Since benzos can increase appetite, this might be 
a rebound effect. Gastric distress might also be a cause since many people are forced to adapt their diet to manage their symptoms. Constipation can also occur during withdrawal and is often aggravated by over-breathing. We've talked about that in some previous episodes, but it can be a factor in how your digestive system operates. Natural laxatives and hydration can help with this condition. Then there's distension and inflammation. One of the most surprising and frightening symptoms of withdrawal can be abdominal distension. Both men and women have experienced significant and sometimes painful distension to the point of appearing to be in the late stage of pregnancy. This is usually experienced in conjunction with digestive difficulties, which causes inflammation in the gut. It's not a permanent condition, and changes in diet can help to manage it. Due to the effects that withdrawal has on the overall digestive system, other symptoms such as diarrhea, nausea, and vomiting may not be a surprise. Symptoms common with irritable bowel syndrome, gastritis, acid reflux, and other digestive difficulties are also quite prevalent. And just as Wendy mentioned earlier, food intolerances and sensitivities can also be a big factor. Some people have been known to develop or increase their intolerances to certain foods during withdrawal, even though, as I mentioned earlier, allergy tests rarely show positive results. Possible factors may include the large number of GABA receptors in the digestive tract, an increase in anxiety-related distress, or even hyperventilation. Many people have reduced their diets down to just two or three foods for a while, so they could avoid the distress. I was on a diet of chicken and white rice for some time during my withdrawal, since those were the only foods that would settle on my stomach. But all that brings us to one key question. Why does our digestive system take such a big hit during withdrawal? Well, there's a variety of factors that might come into play here. First off, our central nervous system, which can be damaged by long-term benzo use, is closely linked with our digestive system. Let's take a look at the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is actually a pair of cranial nerves, even though its name sounds singular. I don't ask me why. But it is the second longest nerve or pair of nerves in the human body, second only to the spinal cord. It controls or influences both sympathetic and parasympathetic functionality, including the digestive tract, respiration, including relaxation and deep breathing, heart rate functioning, including heart rate and blood pressure, muscle movement in the neck, including swallowing and speech, decreasing inflammation, especially in the gut, and dealing with stress, anxiety, and fear. It also has an important role in the regulation of homeostasis. In case you haven't noticed, that list is very similar to that of benzo withdrawal symptomology. The vagus nerve is one of the most affected nerve pathways from benzo withdrawal. In fact, a few of you in the past have written to me about attempting different treatments for this. One of those was called vagus nerve stimulation. I spoke about this one in episode 24 of the podcast. This treatment involves electrically or manually stimulating the vagus nerve, and it is currently used as add-on treatment for epilepsy 
and treatment-resistant depression. Now, studies of the efficacy of vagus nerve stimulation are mixed, with some suggesting that they are generated by the placebo effect. But as I mentioned, I've spoken with some people in benzo recovery who have found some relief from this treatment. Some even claim it has been a huge help in their recovery. Now, I'm not making any claims here at all, but perhaps there is something to it. At this point, the research just isn't there to say one way or the other. Regardless, we know that the vagus nerve, just like all parts of the nervous system, can be severely affected during benzo withdrawal, and it's something we should pay attention to. Now, GABA and GABA receptors are another factor to consider, one that many of you know about. GABA receptors are found throughout the GI tract. Our brains and gut share similar tissue. In fact, in addition to GABA, about 90% of the serotonin in the body is located in the gut. As most of you know, our GABA receptors can become down-regulated during long-term benzo use. And thus, as the drugs are removed during withdrawal, these receptors are no longer able to accept the calming messages from GABA as they used to. And we become excitable, extremely excitable, and now without the brakes we used to rely on to slow ourselves down. Since there are so many of these receptors in our digestive tract, this area of the body may become one of the most affected. Another one I want to touch on just briefly is that of yeast overgrowth or candida or even leaky gut syndrome. There are many people who claim that these factors play a part in benzo belly. Unfortunately, there isn't a lot of evidence to back this up since little research has been done on benzo symptomology, and thus it's speculation at this time. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we had all the answers to all these questions right now and didn't have to wait for research funds to come in to get the research done to give us the answers we need? It just doesn't work that way, does it? Oh, well. Leaky gut is a syndrome that is still not widely accepted within the medical establishment. These may be factors, and then again, they may not be. We just don't have the evidence to back it up at this time. Now, as for inflammation, this very well may be the cause of some of the symptoms in this group, especially abdominal distension. But then again, we still don't fully know the causes at this time. You know, unfortunately, many of the studies on benzodiazepines have not been directed at benzodependence, withdrawal, and treatment, but instead at how benzos might be beneficial for treatment of other conditions. Perhaps your stomach churned on that one as mine did. <laughs> there was a study in the World Journal of Gastroenterology in 2011 titled Systematic Review of Modulators of Benzodiazepine Receptors in Irritable Bowel Syndrome. Is there hope? The goal of this review was to see if benzodiazepines might be beneficial in treating irritable bowel syndrome. While the results of this study were far from complete, there are a few takeaways here. One, and the obvious one, is 
don't they know that long-term use of benzos is dangerous? <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that one out there. It's the obvious one. <laughs> but they're doing a study to find more uses for benzos, and I just want to, you know, walk up to them and shake them by the shoulders and say, hey, wake up. <laughs> and two, another takeaway is that it helps me to emphasize this gut-brain connection I'm talking about and how that connection might be affected by our withdrawal. If benzodiazepines might be beneficial to treat IBS, just as they are considered effective for anxiety and insomnia, then wouldn't tolerance to the drug and removal of said drug increase symptomology, just as it has for anxiety and insomnia? I wouldn't be surprised if benzos were found to help stomach distress short-term, just as they have with anxiety and insomnia. But as we all know, these benefits are short-lived. Dependence can develop in as little as two weeks. And as the drugs are removed, the original condition can return far worse than before, along with some new symptoms never experienced by the patient prior. But all that probably brings us back to square one. As with all aspects of benzo withdrawal, we need the research more than anything else. We need research to prove to medical professionals that this is real, that we really are suffering for months, even years, and to identify the best methods for mitigating our ongoing symptomology and helping us recover. So just in case there's any medical researchers out there listening, <laughs> nudge, nudge, now is a good time to start working on this, right? <laughs> you know, just kind of putting that in your brain for a second and seeing if you, <laughs> you pick that one up. So anyway, the fact that the gut takes a big hit during benzo withdrawal should not be a big surprise. The brain and the gut are connected by a super highway. A lot of information going back and forth, so it just kind of seems logical. Now, benzo belly was a big one for me. In fact, of this group, I had abdominal pain, weight change, distension, lots of inflammation, gastritis, diarrhea, and others. The only one I really didn't have was constipation too much. Since I shared my personal struggles with these in the earlier episode we did on benzo belly, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. But still, I wanted to relate just a little bit of what I encountered. As I said in that earlier episode, I've had digestive issues my entire life, but I didn't get any new issues in that area during my taper. It wasn't until I was benzo-free for a few months that I really started to develop the problems. My diet became more and more restricted. There were days when my stomach would churn and gurgle all day long, nonstop, and nothing would calm it down. Tums, Pepto, acid reducers, I couldn't find one medication that would help. Abdominal pain was also quite common for me and severely limited my physical activity. It hurt to bend, to walk, and especially to do yoga. I found myself more and more housebound every day. Once the stomach is inflamed and irritated, a variety of symptoms can be aggravated, including localized pain, distension, inflammation, muscle tightness, and some other symptomology. Anyway, the good news is most of my digestive symptoms have eased, and I can generally eat a regular diet now. In fact, as I mentioned recently on the podcast, I've let my diet go a little bit too much, and I've gained a little weight. I need to get back to the healthier diet I learned while I was in withdrawal. 
Now, unfortunately, there is still only one method of helping your gut heal during withdrawal, and that is time. Perhaps there will be some substance or treatment just around the corner which will help us return to normal much sooner. But as far as the evidence says at this point, we're just not there yet. Thus, where does that leave us? Well, I'm going to keep this limited because I'm only going to stick with things that I've seen proven to work. The most consistent solutions that I've seen work for benzo belly symptoms are these two things. One, limiting your diet and removing food types that appear to cause issues. Most people find they can control their symptoms enough to get through this stage until their gut fully heals. But I would still approach this with caution since a limited diet can cause a nutrition deficiency. What foods should we watch out for? Like I said, it really depends on the person. I've seen people claim a vegetarian or even vegan diet saved them. I've seen some swear by gluten-free or low-fat or low-carb or paleo. I've seen many people swear by certain supplements or vitamins or herbs. I've also seen people on those diets and who take those supplements actually make their condition worse. It is truly individual and you need to find out what works with you. Work with your nutritionist. Work with your doctor. Find a diet that helps you manage this symptom. But be careful of the cure-alls you may read on discussion boards. Because in my experience, there is only one cure-all for benzo belly, and that is time. But there are some things to watch out for. First of all, most experts recommend to avoid alcohol, caffeine, and sugar as much as possible during withdrawal. The alcohol and caffeine usually aren't related necessarily to stomach distress so much as they are to heightened overall symptomology, like triggering echesisia and other related problems, and making your overall recovery harder. Sugar can also rev up other symptoms, but it can be a trigger for digestive issues too. I significantly reduce sugar intake during my withdrawal. But that is just the beginning. It's hard to know what other foods will be your triggers. I'm not even going to try to list some possibilities here because everybody is so different. So if you're trying to find what triggers your stomach distress, it's trial and error, as I've said many times here. But remember, I'm not a nutritionist. The second thing that I have found to work for reducing symptomology, including benzo belly symptomology throughout withdrawal, is reduction of anxiety. I know, I mention this all the time, but as with every other symptom of benzo withdrawal, anxiety only makes it worse. Finding some way to reduce your anxiety just may be one of the best things you can do for your gut. Now, I do speak from experience here. Over the years, I became more observant as to what caused my stomach issues long before I started taking benzodiazepines. Certain foods were definitely triggers for me. I was allergic to milk when I was a child, and over time became lactose intolerant. Chocolate is also a big trigger of digestive discomfort for me. I enjoy it, but I have to be careful when and where I eat it. Sometimes it will cause problems within minutes of the first bite but not always. And you know, I found that kind of strange. There are times when I can eat chocolate and have absolutely no digestive problems. And this kind of made me wonder, 
So periodically over time, I tested myself. Now at 54 years old, I can honestly say that anxiety plays an even more significant role in my stomach issues than diet. Who would have thought? It just didn't make sense to me. But now that I've done the research through my experience with benzos, I've learned a lot more and now it fits. I've come to realize that my state of mind can be just as big of a factor, if not even more of one, than what I eat. In fact, there are foods, including chocolate, that I can think about eating without taking a single bite and my stomach freaks out. Now, isn't that bizarre? (laughs) Think about that. The thought of eating a food that I think might trigger me triggers me and causes that stomach distress, which tells me a lot. For me, this brain-gut connection is a big one. But anyway, that's me. You might be completely different. Your triggers may be all diet and very little anxiety. I don't know. Each one of us is different. Now, I'd like to close out our feature today with a question that I got a little while back from Joanna in Ontario, Canada. Joanna said, Hi, Dee. Two questions for the podcast. When and how does the benzo belly finally start to go down? Is it gradual or instantaneous? And how long did it take you to lose this disturbing gut? Thank you, Jay. Well, thanks for the question, Joanna. You know, as with all symptoms and withdrawal, it depends. (laughs) Don't you hate it that I keep saying that? Or even worse, when I say everyone is different in benzo withdrawal, that must be so trying to hear. I'm sorry. I wish I had something better to say there. The truth is, there are many commonalities in this experience of benzodependence and withdrawal. Common symptomology, common struggles common problems that we face at home, at work, and at our doctor's offices. But there are also a lot of differences and thousands of factors that influence those differences, many of which we don't even know of yet. Benzo belly and its associated symptoms does ease. It did for me and it will for you too. But it can take some time. And that waiting while you are in distress can be overwhelming frightening and and even seem hopeless at times, and I get that. As with most symptoms, this one usually eases gradually, often without even noticing it until you look back at where you were a few weeks or a few months ago and you realize, wow, I'm not having that problem anymore, or I no longer have that issue, or I can eat this, this, and this, and now look at me. It's important to remember it does go away, but that happens over time. I can honestly say my digestive problems are back to normal. Unfortunately for me, normal is my usual digestive problems I had before benzos, but actually even that is better. In fact, the stomach medication I had taken for over a decade or two, Prilosec, I stopped taking withdrawal and now I don't need it anymore. That's pretty amazing. So my stomach is actually better now on this side of benzo withdrawal than it was even before I started taking the drugs. Now I have to admit some of that gain may be attributed to a healthier diet and also to some anxiety tools I had developed. 
But either way, I try to keep in mind that this is another area where I'm better now than I was even before I started taking the benzos. It's those little gains that I try to cling to. And remember, because I have gained a lot during this process. I can now eat pretty much what I want to with little consequence. It's a lot of freedom and a lot of freedom to handle, as you know, so I got to make sure I keep that in check. This is one of the symptoms which has cleared up for me. And for that, I am grateful. And that wraps up our feature. I hope you enjoyed our revisit to the Benzo Belly Symptom Group and that you found some new information in this one that you could hang on to and use as you move forward in your healing. Please let me know what you thought of this feature. I'd love to hear from you. And now, before we get to our moment of peace, please allow me just about 30 seconds for our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical, health, or psychological advice, nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute, and it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. Please remember that you should only do this if you are in a safe place where you can close your eyes, relax, and let the world pass by without you for a minute. Today we are going to return to a method of meditation we haven't done in a little while, and that is accounting meditation. This is perhaps one of my favorites. It's just enough to keep my mind focused, well, for a bit at least. The goal is simple. Count slowly and deliberately to yourself from 1 to 10. With 1 being your in-breath, 2 being your out-breath, 3 being your in-breath, and so on. If your mind wanders, just bring it back gently and start from one again. This is not about achievement in any way. I often don't even reach 10 at all in some sessions. And that is okay. Still, it can be a good reminder as to how much our mind wanders. If you do reach 10, then just start counting at one again. The goal here is simply to focus on your counting. And if your mind wanders, notice it and bring it back. Let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second 
let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second. And let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day. One more time. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second. And let it out slowly, relaxing your entire body. Now just breathe slowly and naturally. And count one on your in-breath. Two on your out-breath. And continue this throughout your practice. Remember, if your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to your counting, starting at one again. No judgment at all. Continue to do this for one minute. Next episode is episode 61, and it will be released next Wednesday. Thank you again for joining me today, and please, let us know how we did. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.